So we are in Acts chapter 12. And Acts chapter 12 begins with the Apostle Peter in extremely dire straits. And he's in prison. He's literally chained between two guards, one on each side. He has 16 highly trained soldiers guarding his cell. And it's King Herod's intent to put him to death the next morning. And King Herod had already killed one of the other apostles, James, the brother of John. The persecution against the church is just very severe. It seems like those who are closest to Jesus are especially in peril. And Peter, the apostle of Christ, it looks like, is about to be put to death. And so we find in verse 5 that as Peter was in prison, the church was earnestly praying to God for him. You know, so easy to miss that little verse. But Peter's deliverance mattered to his brothers and sisters so much that they were gathered to pray unceasingly for his release. They held a vigil. They were going to keep praying and praying until God either released him or until such time that their prayers were no longer needed. And even with all that, even with all their diligence and devotion and all the faith they could muster, they were still shocked when God gave them exactly what they asked for. I mean, this is the church that had witnessed so many miracles that Jesus did while he was with them. And then they have continued to see all the the wonderful things, the miracles that the apostles have done since Jesus was taken into heaven. And still, they couldn't believe that God would deliver Peter the way that he did. I mean, they were in disbelief when Rhoda told them that he was at the door. They told her she was out of her mind. And before we start to chastise the early church for their lack of faith, let me just ask you something. What's the last thing that you desired from God so much that you prayed as earnestly as they did for Peter? I mean, have you ever prayed for something nonstop until you got what you were praying for? Have you ever been part of a church-wide vigil that was intended to go overnight or that prayed unceasingly for whatever they were asking for? When was the last time you prayed for anything so important that you were willing to lose sleep over it? And once again, before we jump to any conclusions about the church's lack of faith, let's take a closer look. You know, maybe they weren't suffering from a lack of faith, but just a lack of imagination. I look at the church praying for Peter, and I don't necessarily see a lack of faith. I see a lack of knowing how God would deliver. I don't know that they doubted God for a moment. They just weren't expecting God to answer the way that he did. I mean, God delivered in a way that was beyond their imagination. That's not an indictment against their faith, but a confirmation that God is able to do more than all we can ask or imagine. I look at the church in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, praying for Peter, and I recognize 
these three things. One is that they were praying for something that really mattered to them and to God. It says that they were diligent in their prayers. And I believe that they prayed in faith that God both could and would deliver Peter, even if they couldn't see exactly how he would do it. You know, most of the times we pray for things that just don't have all of that much significance in the grand scheme of things. When we focus things, we focus on things that would make our life easier rather than the things that really matter to God. You know, it's a real shame that we serve a God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, and we are stuck with so little imagination. I mean, this early church, they were willing to pray all night because what they were praying for, for Peter's release, was more important than sleep. Our prayers are so feckless, we have trouble staying awake while they're being spoken. We get bored listening to our brothers and sisters praying. Maybe that's because we tend to pray for things that we generally think will work out on their own anyway. That's not just what we're praying for, but how we pray. Our prayers are so lackluster and faithless. We don't really believe that our prayers make that much of a difference. There's no faith behind them. There's no earnestness in them. I think if we're really honest, we don't truly believe that Jesus is going to heal the people that we pray for. Most of the time we're praying for people who probably get better on their own anyway. And when it is more serious, we don't have all that much belief in miracles. It's not like we don't think that God can heal them. It's just that we don't trust that he will. So we mitigate our prayer requests. You know, I know this because I hear things like, God, please work through the doctors or... God, if you're willing. Now, I know what you're thinking. We should always ask for God's will to be done. Even Jesus prayed, not my will, but yours be done. But it's the way that we say it. You know, your will be done. Those words should be a faith-filled expression that God does his will and not a faithless excuse for why he doesn't give us what we want. But far too often it's the latter. We want to give God an out for not doing what we're praying for. You know, half the time I'm about tempted to stop asking for prayer requests at all. Because it's always the same thing. This brother is sick for this and this sister is traveling here. I'm just about sick to death of praying only for the sick and the dying. I want to pray for things that really matter to God. For revival for deliverance from sin, for the loss, for the kingdom of God to expand. I want to pray for noble things, the things that should cause me to lose sleep in the first place. I want to think loftier and more imaginative prayers so that I can see God do even beyond what my feeble mind planned. I want to be 
far more earnest in my prayers to pray and to pray and to pray until God answers. I want to pray with a greater faith and trust that God will give me anything I ask in His name. Now, it's kind of strange to think this, but when it comes to prayer, it's actually James, the brother of Jesus, that gives us some really great advice. And the reason that this is strange is because James was not a believer that Jesus was the Messiah until after the resurrection. But after the resurrection and after James was filled with the Holy Spirit, he became a very influential leader in the church and he wrote a very practical and powerful book of the Bible. And in his uh, letter to the church, he says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, so often our prayers just seem to bounce off the ceilings. I wonder if that's because we're just praying for things that don't matter all that much in the bigger picture of God's plans. You know, remember that our righteousness, this righteousness that makes our prayers powerful and effective, doesn't come so much by what we do, but by faith in Jesus. It's not so much about doing all the right things as it is about having the right relationship with Him. In other words, we become righteous by believing that God's ways are best for us. And instead of praying always for the things that would make our life easier, maybe we need to align what we desire more with His higher and greater purpose. Maybe that would make our prayers powerful and effective. But James also said, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. He said, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. You know, the prayer of a righteous person, that type of prayer that is powerful and effective, is prayed with the belief that God both can and will give what we ask. When our lives are so aligned with the will of God, when His will is our will, we'll pray without doubt. Again, this comes back to that right relationship with God. Imagine being so connected to God that you have no doubt that everything that you are asking for is within His will and you know without a doubt that He will give it to you. If you don't have that kind of relationship, why would you ever even expect God to answer your prayer? You know, to be honest, I think that's exactly what's happened to many Christians. We don't have that connection. We don't have that relationship. We don't trust that our will and God's will are so aligned. So we don't believe. And so this fixture, this scripture is fulfilled. We don't get what we ask for. And we are like that double-minded person, unstable in all that we do. Now here's the crux of the matter. Prayer is the most essential part of our relationship with God. Most of us don't have much of a relationship with Jesus simply because we don't even try to pray, or at least we don't pray that often. 
Let me ask you this. How strong would any relationship you have be with another person? How, how well would it work out if you only talk to them as often or in the same way as you talk to God? I mean, would any of your relationships survive if you only talked about the things that you wanted? Would it work out if you were constantly complaining? Would it work if you talked to them as little as you talked to God? Nah, probably not likely. You know, our relationship with God is no different. We need to find a way to communicate with Him. To make our wills one together. To have our relationship with Him be so close that there is no doubt that we will get what we ask for. Now this coming year, we've just dedicated to growing in our relationship with God. And our prayer life is so crucial to that. So, let's all examine our prayer life. Are we like the church in Acts chapter 12, praying earnestly? Thank you.